Hello and welcome to this Tech Class episode, the series delivering 15-minute overviews of an issue in the lab and the solutions available to help you through it. I'm Annie Colson, Digital Editor at Biotechniques, and I'll be the host of today's podcast. In this episode, supported by Sartorius, we'll be discussing 3D cell cultures, including what they are, how to prepare them, and the issue of reproducibility and how to overcome it. Our guests today are Sandra Soderholm and Maria Vartalenen. Sandra, Maria, it's great to have you both on the show. Thank you very yeah. much. So to start us off, could you please introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your roles at Sartorius? Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Vautilainen, and uh, I am currently working as the product manager for liquid handling consumables at Sartorius. I joined the company about a year ago, back in uh, 2022. And before Sartorius, I was working for several years in life science sector with various, uh, various laboratory instruments and consumables. And uh, I also have a PhD in genetics. Hi everyone, my name is Sandra Söderholm and I'm working in product development as a application scientist. And uh, before joining Sartorius about four years ago, I did a postdoc at the University of Basel. So similar to Maria, I also have a PhD, but my PhD is in biochemistry. So let's go back to basics. What are 3D cell cultures? Uh, yeah, so let me uh, start with that. So we have um, we have like uh, different kind of models where cells are grown in a three-dimensional space in a dish. That like the basic uh, definition, I would say, of 3D cell culture. They're supposed to mimic a specific tissues or diseases. And usually in addition to cells, you tend to include also some extracellular matrices or other like physical support to help the formation of the 3D conformation of cells. And what benefits do they offer over 2D cell cultures? Uh, yes, so compared to 2D, 3D cell cultures, they usually resemble much more in vivo um, and they provide a more physiological relevant observations compared to these 2D cell cultures, where cells are grown on uh, non-biological surfaces or in suspension as single cells. So they mimic the real tissue, you could say. And yeah, they allow for more complex interactions between cells and the extracellular matrices. How are 3D cell cultures prepared? So they're prepared usually by hand, by pipetting, in laboratory dishes, for instance, multivel plates or Petri dishes. And uh, you can also use liquid handling automates. They get quite useful if you want to make the throughput a bit higher. And then you can use also bioprinters. They're quite popular for preparing more complex models that include like multiple cell types maybe and biomaterials. So bioprinters usually can make more layer by layer arrangement. And then looking more at pipetting, um, so pipetting is probably second nature to most lab-based researchers and maybe overlooked. Why is it important to pay attention to pipetting and pipetting techniques when you're preparing these 3D cell cultures? Yeah, I can take this one. Yeah, it's a very good question. It might feel like pipetting is second nature when you're working in a lab, but uh, still very many, even those that have worked for years in the lab, 
may not do pipetting in an optimal way or might overlook things that could really affect the pipetting results. And the simple reason for this is that not everybody gets proper training for pipetting. I know this also from my own experience. So back in the days when I had my first lab courses, for example, I was simply handed a pipette with only instructions of don't turn it upside down, especially mm. when you have liquid in it. <laughs> so that wasn't so much to go with. So even though pipetting plays such a huge role in lab work, you may not have proper training for it. And then if we think about specifically the 3D cultures, the things you should keep in mind are that if you want to get similar organoids or spirits across the whole dish or between your experiments, you do need to prepare the cells uh, in the same way every time. And these preparations almost always include pipetting. Uh, the cells need to be, for example, prepared in a particular concentration and mixed with different solutions. Um, you might need to use, for example, hydrogels, uh, which is not the easiest solution to pipe it and is very viscous. So you might, for example, need to consider using reverse pipetting or pipe it very slowly. And also one thing to consider is the fact that pipetting is often the basis of almost everything we do in the lab. And it takes quite a long, long time to pipet. You might have really long pipetting sessions as well. So you should also consider the ergonomics of pipetting. So pipet in a, in a good posture and use lightweight pipettes and have matching well-fitting tips. So having these type of combos will spare your wrist and thumbs from a lot of pain and strain in the future. And are there common mistakes that people make when pipetting 3D cell cultures? Well, this is maybe going to be a list, list of answers which uh, applies to, to all things pipetting, but also for 3D cultures. So using pipette tips that do not fit the pipette. So this may cause leakage or the tip falling off uh, in, in between your experiments. Uh, you might pipe it too fast. And especially when you're working with cells, you do want to be very gentle to the cells. You might use incorrect pipetting technique. As I mentioned, it might be good to use reverse pipetting, especially with certain more challenging liquids. Cutting the end of the tip to make the opening bigger. We have all done it in the lab. <laughs> yes. don't, don't do it. <laughs> use use uh, speciality tips like whiteboard tips. Makes more sense, uh, less messy. <laughs> And then, well, sometimes if you're not maintaining or cleaning your pipettes, that can cause problems. You might have contaminations because of this. And of course, it's always important to consider what kind of tips you are using. So if, especially when you're working with 3D cultures with cells, you do want to use filter tips so that you can avoid any type of contaminations. And then, of course, whenever you have uh, pipettes involved, you do need to calibrate these annually so that you're not using pipette which has expired calibration. And how can people avoid making those mistakes? Yeah, it is important to be, first of all, mindful of the impact of pipetting and to understand how much it can affect your end results. So I think often the sample preparation part is so far away from the actual interpretation of the experiment results that it can sometimes be overlooked. It is, of course, important to standardize your protocols so that others, yourself included, can repeat them and also document in detail how and with what pipette you are using. And also document in detail how and with what uh, you pipe it. So always use the right piping technique, 
correct pipeline speed, use consumables that are suited for that particular application. So if you're working with cells, you want to have re-sterilized and filtered pipette tips so that you will uh, avoid any contaminations. And sometimes it will be useful to use speciality tips such as whiteboard tips or extended tips. And then the one thing to remember is that the pipette and the tip are one complete system. So always use uh, pipette and tips from the same manufacturer to be sure about their compatibility. And then looking more at reproducibility. So why does reproducibility pose an issue when preparing 3D cell cultures and how does pipetting fit into that? Yeah, so there are many different reasons for why you might have quite low reproducibility between the 3D cell culture experiments. One is simply like poor preparation, maintenance of your cultures. You have to consider that in many 3D cell culture experiments, there are long culturing times. So long experiments, more possibilities for things to go wrong. You're pipetting, preparing a lot of things during maybe weeks that the experiment might take. So it's really important to have like a robust model that can be prepared in a similar way, independently of the person. And you have to remember that the really the microenvironment influences a lot, like how cells grow and adapt to their environment. So keep to the refeeding schedule, like the times you exchange the media, for instance, and then the initial cell seeding step when you pipe at your actual cells into the dish. It has also an impact on how the culture grows and, and develops. And also things that maybe not directly uh, having to do with pipetting, but even changing some lab consumables might impact. Uh, so going from one kind of multi-well plate of one manufacturer to another might uh, impact quite a lot on how, for instance, your spheroid is growing. And then unfortunately, many times still uh, 3D cell culturing and pipetting needs quite a lot of experience. So you need to learn through trial and error, but really the right tools and materials and standardized protocol and some pipetting training um, might really help so that you, you will get better reproducibility. Sandra, Maria, it's been great talking to you both. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to find out more about preparing 3D cell cultures, then check out our own focus on the topic at www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.